Welcome everybody to Socratica Reads. My name is Kimberly Hatch Harrison, and I'm the co-founder of Socratica. We make beautiful educational videos that look to the future. We've had a lot of help along the way from a certain special fellow. It's his birthday today, Ray Bradbury. He, more than anyone else, taught me to be a futurist. I'm going to interrupt myself here to say there won't be any more interruptions because this podcast has zero ads. That's because we're sponsored by the Socratica Foundation, and the Socratica Foundation is sponsored by you. The Socratica Foundation is an educational nonprofit dedicated to the three timeless pillars literacy, numeracy, and critical thinking. Socratica Reads Podcast is part of our literacy campaign. You can learn more at Socratica.org. A literacy campaign is an optimistic thing. Ray Bradbury is an optimistic writer, but he's also a realist. One of the most powerful things you can accomplish with science fiction is you can do an end run around all the psychological barriers we have. All the denial, all the whistling through the graveyard about the fate of humankind. It's so much easier to face up to our frailties when they're given to the people of the future. That's what this story, The Pedestrian, lets us do. Now, this story was written in 1950, and it's set in 2053, but it's also about today. It's pretty spooky. Are you ready? Let's begin. To enter out into that silence that was the city at eight o'clock of a misty evening in November, to put your feet upon that buckling concrete walk, to step over grassy seams and make your way, hands in pockets, through the silences, that was what Mr. Leonard Mead most dearly loved to do. He would stand upon the corner of an intersection and peer down long, moonlit avenues of sidewalk in four directions, deciding which way to go. But it really made no difference. He was alone in this world of A.D. 2053, or as good as alone. And with a final decision made, a path selected, he would stride off, sending patterns of frosty air before him like the smoke of a cigar. Sometimes he would walk for hours and miles and return only at midnight to his house. And on his way, he would see the cottages and homes with their dark windows, and it was not unequal to walking through a graveyard where only the faintest glimmers of firefly light appeared in flickers behind the windows. Sudden gray phantoms seemed to manifest upon inner room walls where a curtain was still undrawn against the night, or there were whisperings and murmurs where a window in a tomb-like building was still open. Mr. Leonard Mead would pause, cock his head, listen, look, and march on, his feet making no noise on the lumpy walk. For long ago he had wisely changed to sneakers when strolling at night, because the dogs in intermittent squads would parallel his journey with barkings if he wore hard heels, and lights might click on and faces appear and an entire street be startled by the passing of a lone figure, himself, in the early November evening. On this particular evening he began his journey in a westerly direction, toward the hidden sea. There was a good crystal frost in the air. It cut the nose and made the lungs blaze like a Christmas tree inside. You could feel the cold light going on and off, all the branches filled with invisible snow. 
He listened to the faint push of his soft shoes through the autumn leaves with satisfaction, and whistled a cold, quiet whistle between his teeth, occasionally picking up a leaf as he passed, examining its skeletal pattern in the infrequent lamplights as he went on, smelling its rusty smell. Hello in there, he whispered to every house on every side as he moved. What's up tonight on Channel 4, Channel 7, Channel 9? Where are the cowboys rushing, and do I see the United States cavalry over the next hill to the rescue? The street was silent and long and empty, with only his shadow moving like the shadow of a hawk in mid-country. If he closed his eyes and stood very still, frozen, he could imagine himself upon the center of a plain, a wintry, windless Arizona desert with no house in a thousand miles, and only dry riverbeds, the streets, for company. What is it now? he asked the houses, noticing his wristwatch. 8.30 p.m.? Time for a dozen assorted murders? A quiz? A review? A comedian falling off the stage? Was that a murmur of laughter from within a moon-white house? He hesitated, but went on when nothing more happened. He stumbled over a particularly uneven section of sidewalk. The cement was vanishing under flowers and grass. In ten years of walking by night or day, for thousands of miles, he had never met another person walking, not once in all that time. He came to a cloverleaf intersection which stood silent where two main highways crossed the town. During the day, it was a thunderous surge of cars, the gas stations open, a great insect rustling and a ceaseless jockeying for position as the scarab beetles, a faint incense puttering from their exhausts, skimmed homeward to the far directions. But now these highways, too, were like streams in a dry season, all stone and bed and moon radiance. He turned back on a side street, circling around toward his home. He was within a block of his destination when the lone car turned a corner quite suddenly and flashed a fierce white cone of light upon him. He stood entranced, not unlike a night moth, stunned by the illumination and then drawn toward it. A metallic voice called to him. Stand still. Stay where you are. Don't move. He halted. Put up your hands. But, he said, your hands up or we'll shoot. The police, of course, but what a rare, incredible thing. In a city of three million, there was only one police car left, wasn't that correct? Ever since a year ago, 2052, the election year, the force had been cut down from three cars to one. Crime was ebbing. There was no need now for the police, save for this one lone car wandering and wandering the empty streets. Your name, said the police car in a metallic whisper. He couldn't see the men in it for the bright light in his eyes. Leonard Mead, he said. Speak up. Leonard Mead. Business or profession? I guess you'd call me a writer. No profession, said the police car, as if talking to itself. The light held him fixed, like a museum specimen, needle thrust through his chest. You might say that, said Mr. Mead. He hadn't written in years. Magazines and books didn't sell any more. Everything went on in the tomb-like houses at night now, he thought, continuing his fancy. The tombs, ill-lit by television light, where the people sat like the dead, the gray or multicolored lights touching their faces, but never really touching them. No profession, said the phonograph voice, hissing. What are you doing out? 
Walking, said Leonard Mead. Walking? Just walking, he said simply, but his face felt cold. Walking? Just walking? Walking? Yes, sir. Walking where? For what? Walking for air. Walking to sea. Your address? 11 South St. James Street. And there is air in your house? You have an air conditioner, Mr. Mead? Yes. And you have a viewing screen in your house to see with? No. No? There was a crackling quiet that in itself was an accusation. This is a very short story, and I'm tempted to just read the whole thing, because that would be a good time for me, but I do very much want to encourage you to check this out from the library, or support your local bookstore and find a copy for your very own. This story, The Pedestrian, is in my old copy of The Golden Apples of the Sun, but it's been removed from the more recent editions. You should be able to find it in other story collections, so I'll include a link in the show notes. If this story reminds you of Fahrenheit 451, yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> you can see Ray Bradbury pinning down this idea about how what is normal is enforced, and what kind of formerly natural and beneficial human behavior becomes subversive. How do we anesthetize ourselves so we accept what our lives have become? Do you see yourself or your loved ones in this story? Can you do something about it? If you want to chat about the ideas in The Pedestrian, our Discord server is open to all of our YouTube channel members and our patrons from Patreon. You can join at patreon.com Socratica. Thanks for listening.